now before the hour of 8 o'clock. And we have a Simon Eyes Wise Jean Shallot over there who is always shining and brilliant. When she finds a monkey's fist that's been cut off at the wrist, Diane Fossey gets real pissed. Brian Brown she just has kissed during an African set tryst. Will it make my year-end list? You'll go ape, I will insist, for gorillas in the mist. That's fantastic, Gene. I understand you also saw Punchline this week? Punchline? More like munch mine, as in my Johnson, which is a euphemism for my penis, which you can eat. Everything I just said, it's a hundred times funnier than anything in the movie, Punchline. If you've ever wanted to spend two hours listening to the comedy stylings of Sally Field, Sally Field, then you deserve this fucking movie, Bryant. Knock, knock. Who's there? The chicken who crossed the road. The chicken who crossed the road who? The chicken who crossed the road to get to the one thing this movie doesn't have, a goddamn fucking punchline. Guess what? The only punchline I'm interested in is the line I will wait on ever so patiently to punch Tom Hanks in his goddamn face. Gene, this isn't really appropriate. It's eight in the morning. Take your pansy ass over to Good Morning America then, Bryant. Gene, I think it's time we moved on to alienation, more like ailing crustaceans, which is what these disgusting slags look like up close. Their spotted heads make me sick. Sick, I tell you. Go back where you came from, slags. This is our planet. Mega, mega, make Earth great again. Gene! Why, I'm entitled to my opinion. Oh, fine, fine. I'll play nice for the advertisers. What exactly were you thinking, Jimmy Conn and M. Patinkin? This screenplay, it sure is stinking. Like the old milk Mandy's drinking, and ah, uh, uh, fuck it. My heart's not in this one. Wake me up when Twins comes out. Coming soon. This summer. At theaters everywhere. Opening weekend. Read it R. Welcome to episode 21 of Opening Weekend. I'm Jason O'Connell, and I am once again joined by my dear friends Fred Berman and Dan Matisa. And this week, we travel back to October 7th, 1988, and the weekend's number one movie, Alien Nation, starring James Caan and Mandy Patinkin, as well as the wide-release expansions of Gorillas in the Mist, starring Sigourney Weaver, and Punchline, starring Tom Hanks and Sally Field. But before we start making our Dukakis versus Bush jokes, where were we all in October of 1988? I was a junior in high school, and I was letting the mullet flow. (laughs) This was my hair metal years and uh, emphasis on the hair. It was, this is right when we were getting our school pictures taken. And I, you know, I, to call it a mullet is almost diminishing it a bit. And I call it a mullet only because that, you know, your mind just goes to, okay, long hair. But it was like, I had the full feathered long hair thing going. And I, it, it was down on my shoulders. I had like the Farrah Fawcett thing in the front. <laughs> wow. I look fucking ridiculous. <laughs> I look like an idiot, but I loved it. Who were you trying to emulate, like from the rock world? Was it more of a Motley Crue? Farrah He just said Farrah Fawcett. Farrah Fawcett majors by this time. Yeah, but come on. Um, I don't know. Respect. I don't know who I was trying to emulate. I know there was a bunch of us who all, like all the drummers 
had long hair. There was me, there was a kid, there was a guy named Ryan Bell who had long hair. My friend Josh Klammer started to grow, like we all started to grow our hair out long. Okay. Um, I've seen pictures of this time. I think, I think it was Mary Hart from Entertainment Tonight. <laughs> that you're, that was, That's what went through my mind too. I was, was like, what female broadcasters? Like, yeah, you also I, had your legs insured. I which, did. Uh, <laughs> I just knew, I was like, if I can't rock the John Tesh, then I'm going to marry Hart. And I right. couldn't rock the John Tesh. Who can? Yeah, oh, I God. was, uh, I don't know who I was trying to emulate, but it was, it, it, whoever it was, was probably saying, stop, stop, it's not working. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was good. I would just, I would rock that. I'd walk around with like my Pink Floyd and Zeppelin t-shirts and my jams and yeah, jams. Jams. Wow. A lot of jams. jams. A lot of jams. Oh, yeah, and I have right. a lot of pictures to prove it. It was now. Did you was, have real jams or what I had, which were affectionately referred to as emo jams, which were like imitation jams that you would just get like at stores that sold things that looked like jams. I think oh, that's. Wow. Oh no. Oh, yes, I know what you're saying. No, I never had real jams. They were just. Yeah, I would go to like the Roosevelt Field Mall, no and could. I would. Yeah, no. And but also, did they even have jams on the East Coast? That was such like a West Coast thing. I mean, I think they did, but I think they did. I remember them being them. a being a big thing that year. Yeah, I didn't I just, have them. I just but never I had them. I wasn't I wasn't cool enough, or we didn't have enough money to get real jams. I don't Same. know. But uh, so that's what I was doing. And I was getting ready to uh, get into a little bit of trouble. This was I I I I got into some fiascos this year oh, as we were coming up time. on Halloween. I would always go. Me and my friend Josh would always go to school. Trust, we wanted to keep the whole costume thing going, even though at this age, it's sort of like, really? You're still, and we, we want to go trick-or-treating, but we like to dress up to go to school. To go and to school, okay. Yeah, it would just be fun. So like, I think the year before, we went in togas, and it was just something, something festive. And I couldn't think of what I wanted to go this year, and I don't think Josh had an idea. We weren't doing anything in tandem with each other. And I suddenly had this idea uh, the night before, and I thought, oh, huh. And I walked into my parents' room and I said, hey, mom, I want to go to school as a condom tomorrow. Uh, do you have anything that I could use? And it was almost like she had been waiting her entire life for me to ask this because without miss, at least this is how I remember it, without missing a beat, she like looked at me and she went, mm-hmm. And she turned around and just pulled out this garment bag, like a plastic Macy's garment bag. It come was like on. she was waiting. She was just sitting there like, when is Freddie going to come in and ask me to, to dress as a condom? That's Should I amazing. put this away? Should, oh, oh, he's here? Oh, good. And she, I mean, it was just like that fast. She just A mother knows out. her son. A mother yeah, knows. Yeah. And she didn't bat an eye. And she helped me make this condom costume. And so it was just, it was very simple. It was the, you know, and this is, this was, Years before, like you'd go into Halloween stores and see like little condom masks or the condom heads. This was very forward thinking, I think, at the time. <laughs> Probably giving myself too much credit here. Well, you know, you say this two months later, the naked gun came out, and that was the first time I saw that joke of like a full body oh, condom. Right. Do you remember out of here. Leslie Nielsen and Priscilla he, Presley? That's they right. said they stole that from me. They stole it from you because they stole came out two me. months later. You must have, yeah, they must have rushed that scene. Oh, in, uh, <laughs> <laughs> they had to do. I got to get Hiccups. some residuals for that. Yeah, How did you create the reservoir tip? That's what I want to know. We, we did. We took one of those, like one of those the big red way. cups, like the keg cups that, that you, you'd always get at a keg party. Yeah. You, know, you know what I'm talking about? The plastic cups? Yeah, we yeah. We put that in there. The solo cup? Yeah, the solo cup. <laughs> and then we wrapped a, a rubber band around it. 
We made a hole for the face. And I forgot about this. My friend Dave Koenig uh, a little while ago, a couple of years ago, reminded me of this. But apparently on the front, uh, <laughs> oh, no. it said I had a picture of a sperm. And like the ghost, but like the Ghostbuster symbol with the cross, but it's not the ghost. It was a sperm, and on the back it said "Wrap that rascal." <laughs> and that's but fantastic. I remember. So what happened was we made it, and it was very matter of fact. And I remember going up to school that morning, and I had my my locker, and I remember opening the locker, and I should say, you know, Eddie Van Halen just passed away, which is very sad. I it, it, my locker was covered with pictures of Eddie Van Halen mm. and all my rock heroes and everything. But I remember opening up the locker putting my bag down, taking the bag out, taking the costume out. And this is all before the first bell rang. And then I just, you know, put the costume on, you know, looked at myself in my little mirror in the locker. And I was like, great. With I, I'm not kidding. Within two to three minutes of having that thing on, the principal, who I'm blanking on his name, Napoli. That was it, Mr. Napoli. Anthony oh, Napoli. On. They don't like ran, that. <laughs> ran up the stairs. And he like turned around and someone must have tipped him off. Someone must have been like, uh, you need to see this. Ran up, <laughs> grabbed me, like yanked me wow. down the stairs. And I mean, I literally didn't have my locker clothes. And he said, we're going to call your mother. We're going to see what she thinks of this. And I said, <laughs> and probably not helping matters, I said, well, she helped me make it. <laughs> the, I mean, just fuming. Awesome. So he pulled me into his office. And for the rest of the day, I sat in the office dressed as a condom. <laughs> And here's the thing, and my mother, God bless her, they called her, she came out of work, and she came, and she, I mean, it was sort of ridiculous, because it turned into this whole big political argument between her and the vice principal, Mr. Pantina, who I still sort of stay in touch with, who's a great guy, um, and you know, look, he was just doing his job, you know, he was like, look, this is distracting. Sure. Um, that that was their argument, I guess, I'm sure there was other stuff too, they probably thought it was inappropriate. Yeah, that you were a penis, and you yeah. know. <laughs> well, that was the thing, but my my mom like turned it in like she, you know, got into this big, you know, fight to the death about yeah, it over sex. my We're right promoting safe to, sex. Exactly. And yeah. it really, but the funny thing is, and I always talk about this, like, had they just said, hey, take it off, I probably would have just taken it off. No one ever asked me. So I sat oh, in the office for hours <laughs> just wearing it. And, the, and I remember the receptionists were like, ugh. Just giving me the stink eye. <laughs> oh. And finally it came down to, okay, if he doesn't take it off, he's going to be expelled. They're going to wow. expel me for wow. it. Wow. And my mom- Expelled, not suspended. Expelled. Uh, oh, maybe it was suspended. That's right, because expelled was even worse. I can't yeah. remember. It was okay. It was either suspended or expelled. It wasn't okay. good. I was going to have to leave. <laughs> yeah. right. And my mom, to her credit, she, she left it up to me. She was like, oh. what do you want to do? You know, which to this day, I'm like sort of blown away by that. Oh, she's amazing. And yeah. I took Ooh, it off, you know, because it just seemed you, like this is, this is ridiculous. But that was what was so funny. I just remember thinking, no, people are coming in and giving me the stink eye and calling my mother. No one has literally said the words, take that off. Wow. So I didn't. Wow. I just kept it on. Good for you. And you should have kept it on. Because <laughs> I should have. That's the only way a condom is useful. If you keep it on. You gotta keep the thing You can't you pull it off halfway through. That's no. right. You were demonstrating it for the other children. <laughs> I feel like this is mullet time for me as well. Now, I didn't have shoulder length, but it was getting down there. And it was, you know, I have curly hair. So for me to have a mullet, that's like a real, it, it takes some effort. Because, sure. um... 
um, moose was big for me. Moose was, oh, a big, yeah. was a big deal. You'd put mm-hmm. that between your hands and you'd sort of slick, you know, and I'm, and, and I'm Jersey, you know, so, so it's like yeah, all of the, the Bon Jovi-ness of this time is full, is fully throughout the school. And so you're moosing and you're gelling. I looked kind of like the lead singer of Quiet Riot, I think. Oh, Kevin Dubrow. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah you know, I because he he always looked 70 and I have always looked 70. <laughs> and he had that very thin, wispy, curly, curly hair. But right in the back <laughs> there, it just sort of flapped down like this. And it was just like, you know, it was it was like beautiful rivulets of hair covering my <laughs> neck, um, protecting me from getting you know, the redneck slap, as we said. Right. Um, and I had the, oh I had God. the gold chain and the cross, right. Mm. Uh, the fake emo jams or, or sweatpants at this time. And, um, you know, just, and, and I was able to have a little bit of peach fuzz. I was actually to have a, uh, able to have a little bit of, of, uh, you know, mm-hmm. growth of the, of the, uh, of now it was very patchy. It was a very spotty, but I like an idiot would never shave my neck. <laughs> And so I remember this vividly. I would go into, this was sophomore year for me. So like, yeah, well, no, even what my, my, do you know what my teacher, my history teacher said? He's like, are you ever going to shave? I was like, well, I mean, I, there's not much there. He's like, yeah, but you, you should shave. It's on your neck. He said, you look like Yasser Arafat. That's what he said. He said, what are you trying to be Yasser Arafat? Of course, I don't know who the fuck that is. I have to go look that up or ask my parents when I go is home. Is he the drummer for Quiet Riot? <laughs> <laughs> he was in Quiet Riot for a brief period of time. Because then yeah. that's cool. Yeah, because then that's, oh that's what I'm going for. Clearly, <laughs> I'm trying to feel the noise. Um, oh, this was, a, you know, I mentioned the Mets last week. This was a very big time for the Mets. So as oh, nerdy yeah. and mullety as I was, I was so into baseball at this time because the Mets had just won the World Series two years prior yeah. and mm-hmm. they were vying to be in it again in 88. So this is Daryl Strawberry and Dr- Dwight Gooden and all the great players that the Mets had. And, and um, you know, uh, I, I worshipped, worshipped those guys. And it was like, oh, my gosh, they're going to do it again. And then, of course, they didn't. But um, uh, they, this, they were in the playoffs. They were. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They were in the playoffs. But they, there had been some changes and they got rid of a few people and they brought in this guy, Kevin McReynolds, who was not, you know, the Mets were kind of the bad boys of of, of baseball. They, they mm-hmm. were always getting in trouble and they were always you know, who's on Coke this week and who's pissing <laughs> off the cops this week and who's getting arrested. And they were just, you know, who's this wearing is a condom series. costume to who's the game. Wearing, <laughs> yeah. Who's wearing, who's making a reservoir tip out of a solo cup in the dugout. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, the, they're always getting in trouble, but Mrs. You know, Berman, what are you doing in the Mets dugout again? Again. Sha, again. I'm helping Daryl build his costume. <laughs> Sha, Daryl needs me. This is probably the only year I had a mullet. This is the, I know my school picture. <laughs> My really? school picture from 88. I, I was like, I kind a of a mullet. mullet year. It was I a very mullet year. I don't think I've ever, I didn't know that about you, It's Jason. the only time. It was a very brief one. I didn't, by the time I was at Hofstra the following year, that was gone. And I know I didn't have it the year before. <laughs> I know I didn't have it in like 87. Yeah, it was just that going into senior year. And then even by the time... By the time I was, I think halfway through senior year, it was it was gone too. But um, I could see you with a nice rat tail. Oh, that uh, I could see. No, sport that well. <laughs> no, no, I can't see anyone. I mean, I can. I mean, I didn't have it. Now, maybe you can see it. Can you see what I hear? Um, <laughs> Mark Singer can. Yeah, and I had the, and I think I had the the I had the uh, 
the gold chain with the crucifix. Yes. I was wearing a lot of champion sweatshirts. Yes. Of, um, you know, that was the thing. Uh, I loved it. This was my senior year of high school and I loved every second of it. I oh, loved high school you. in general, but I really, I loved, loved, loved my senior year. Did you have a I car? Was just soaking it up. I did not. The, the oh. car I own now is the first car I've owned in my entire life. Really? The car that Kate and I bought literally like to, to as our escape vehicle during quarantine, <laughs> literally as, as COVID was encroaching upon the nation, we were like, we need a fucking car. That's the first car I've owned in my life. Um, yeah, Good no, I didn't you. have a car. I, you know, my friend would, uh, my friend Ray would pick me up for school in the morning in, in the, uh, in the, the legendary yellow Hyundai that I've spoken about before. Oh, and that, uh, that car. Uh, yeah. My other friends would pick me up too. And we also, we lived so close. I mean, we we lived just blocks away from the school, but uh, yeah, mm-hmm. no, you would think I would have desperately wanted a car. I, I wasn't I wasn't so concerned about that. I would just always kind of, you know, I just leech rides off of my friends, and I was fine. Yeah, why not? But I I did have uh, this 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 year. I had my first girlfriend. October of '88. I was dating la la. Um, my very first girlfriend. Um, well done, a lovely lovely girl. Remember, I had said I think I had said a couple episodes back that. My high school merged with another high school my senior year. Yes, that's right. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So this was that the beginning of that merger. So literally just met like an entire half of my senior class was new people this year. And uh, everybody was very stressed and concerned about it and worried that there'd be some sort of weird rival. But it really it opened up things in a really fun way. And it was just, you know, it was just like you had this whole, you know, community of new friends to uh, to experience senior year with. And it was really fun. And one of the uh, uh, a girl from the other school, a really lovely, lovely girl. Her name is Carrie Wren. She was great. She was lovely, super smart, just a great, great girl. And we dated for a few months in high school. And and she was um, she was terrific. I was not I knew nothing about being a boyfriend, I was not a very good boyfriend, I'm sure, you know, so I was. Who does but at that she was, time? You but don't she know what was, to do. But she was great. She was, she was really. And she was uh, from uh, the other school? She was from the other school. So yeah. you, like, you brought them together. It was me. It was really, it was I, I like to say it was me. <laughs> she was, was the like, Mandy Batank and to your James Conn. <laughs> oh, bringing <laughs> worlds together. She was oh, the God. alienation person outside. What are they called? The new, she was the newcomer. She was a newcomer. She was truly the newcomer. Oh, that's perfect. Fred, again, another chef's kiss segue (laughs) from Fred Berman. Um, Yeah, yeah. Alien Nation. The newcomers have arrived. They have their own customs, their own mysteries. Slagtown, I hate this place. And their own crimes. My fellow newcomers will work very hard to make as much money as they can to give to me. Sykes, here's your new partner. My true name is Stangia Sorens Ah. Sorensa, well, Gesundheit. Now, James Kahn. So what do you got? This will stop anything. And Mandy Patinkin are headed deep into newcomer territories. Alien Nation. In 1991 Los Angeles, humans live alongside extraterrestrial beings whose spaceship crash-landed three years earlier. This coexistence is not always harmonious, as exemplified by segregated slums and the uneasy partnership of police detective Matthew Sykes, played by James Caan, and his alien partner, Sam Francisco. That's right, Sam Francisco, played by Mandy Patinkin. 
However, the pair begin to overcome their differences as they investigate a drug ring led by the slippery William Harcourt, played by Terrence Stamp. Alien Nation made $8.4 million on its opening weekend, $25.2 million domestically, and $32.2 million worldwide. Fred and Dan, what did you guys think of Alien Nation? Well... Here's the thing about Peter Coyote. Ah. <laughs> um, it, was, uh, it was a throwback. I did not see it when it first came out. Mm. Again, as I mentioned last episode, I remember the Siskel and Ebert. Yeah, in the movies episode <laughs> where they talked about all of these movies. I remember mm. it very vividly. I watched it. I don't think I'd ever seen it all the way through until a couple of nights ago. I'd seen parts of it. And I knew that there was this there's sort of like a cult following behind it. I think mm-hmm. you have to sort of look at it. There's a bit of reverence behind it. I know there's the television show. There's a TV show, show yeah. The TV yeah, show I watched yeah. for a bit and there's been like made for TV movies. I didn't think it was awful. I just think it missed the mark. It started out. You know, it's funny. We were talking about Mark Singer last week and 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 V, and there was something very V about it right yes. in the beginning. So I was in because I loved V, yeah. and I was like, oh, okay. Uh, originally, I was like, huh. They seem to have been integrated themselves rather fast because the whole thing is, you know, they, yeah, they were three in quarantine for three years. Yeah. But, so yeah. I was a little like, wait, I'm not sure if I'm buying this. But then Mandy Patinkin has the line about, you know, that's what we do. We adapt very fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love the idea behind it. I. I like that they sort of just went straight ahead and they set up in the beginning and they're like, all right, now they're in society. We're just playing it. It's going to be a buddy cop movie. You know, obviously I think that what they were trying to do, I mean, it, uh, you know, they were dealing with racism and immigration. I mean, it's so, how it's, fucking ironic is it the fact that you got Reagan in the beginning with that line, yeah. you know, and yeah. this is it. I, I mean, it's crazy. In that, this and, moment that we're in now. Yeah. 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 Just compared to like, where they where this movie was saying the Republicans were then and where we are now yeah. in terms of those stances. I mean, it's that's right. it's it's a very prescient movie in many yeah. ways. I liked James Conn and Mandy Patankin together. They were great. I, I thought yeah. their chemistry was really great. I thought he was really, really funny, Mandy Patankin. Yeah. I thought um, they both were. I they thought were they were both, both funny. really it's good. So, yeah. It's so funny. James Conn was energized in a way I have I, I you don't see in a lot of movies. Yeah. Great. And it's it's funny because, you know, for me, James Conn is always Sonny Corleone. That's mm-hmm. what I always totally. think of him. And or Buddy the Elf's dad. It totally. Well, <laughs> basically the two. But it's uh-huh. funny because he's really like, he's got almost like this Bush belt feel about him sometimes, yeah. you know? Yeah. He's got, you know, I keep expecting this like tough guy and they are. And that's, I, I that was the one thing I wrote. I was like, two tough Jews. Patinkin <laughs> and James Kanye, two tough Jews on that screen. And I thought they, they played off each other really well. I mean, it, it does, it, it loses it as it goes on. Yeah. There are brilliant things about it, especially in the, in the setup and the, and even down to the, the idea that they, like you say, they adapt so quickly that little children, like a six-year-old is like going to college and stuff. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and what's great about that is it plays into the same things that are happening right now about 
about the the fears that some people have about the status quo being upended and fears of being rendered irrelevant somehow mm-hmm. that you know this new element is going to come in this progressive thing is going to come in and change our way of life and I'm not going to be able to compete and keep up anymore and that's great and there's a lot of really fun smart potent stuff like that and then there's also a lot of low hanging fruit I found it to be you know, much better than I was expecting. I really, you know, enjoyed this movie. I was like, the um, the only thing I didn't like was the the abruptness of how we got to the ending and then the actual ending. You mm-hmm. know, um, and yeah. I mean like the ending, ending. Like it was just like, oh, and the movie's done. Okay, um, but the beginning, the fir- the sh- opening shootout, that I was shootout like, was terrifying. Holy fuck! I, I, am I watching Miami Vice? I mean, this mm. is when, the, like, when those bullets start to go through the car. Oh yeah. I was like, Oh, that's not good. It's not very good at all. You got your vest? Of course I brought my vest. In the trunk of the car. Oh, that's where mine is. I feel a lot better now. (laughs) Yeah. Well, my brother, I'm going to go across the street and get a better angle on that door. Yeah, you watch your ass. You watch my ass. You know, I love the fact that many of the supporting and supporting cast, the small, small roles and the extras in this are all people of color. You have um, people of color, you have Asian people, you have, you have every, you know, you have many, many different races among everybody else. And then you have the aliens, right? And so to me, I'm going, oh, they're, they're, everything in this movie is making a point about A, assimilation, B, um, you know, the feeling of, uh, like they said in the movie, the idealized way that we want to be able to, you know, ex- be accepting. That's the that's the ideal that we want to aspire to, but we don't make it. We just don't make it there. You yes, know? I um, actually wrote down that line because I thought it was great. He said, yeah. uh, so few of you seem incapable of, wait, where is it? I have it right here. It says, so <laughs> few of you seem incapable of living up to the ideals you set for yourselves. Seem capable of? Incapable. Not- Seem incapable? Is that so few of you seem no capable? You're right. I just, I just, I type shitty. Um, that's okay. yeah, so few of you seem capable of living up to the ideals you set for yourselves. Yeah, that's the line that got right to my heart. You know, yeah. and uh, and it's like, wow, that is that is what we are living in right now. It really felt like this is. You know, I, I'm not surprised that people are thinking about remaking this movie. Not at all. Yeah, um, I thought Patinkin had such gorgeous subtle moments and he's the musical theater guy right yeah (laughs) he's often like that oh my gosh in dick tracy he's like that too he's like super small in in these big movies in these big Mm -hmm. broad movies too where you'd think like well if he's gonna let his freak flag fly as a as a as a stage <laughs> performer yeah. but no he plays it really close to the vest he's very yeah, but yeah. even like yentl ragtime the stuff that is musicals yeah uh, for film he's doing really small work at this early er stage of his career you know and i remember i, I yeah I, did, I don't know how i missed this movie when it came out at the end of the movie were you fully expecting the daughter to be walking down the aisle and the husband to be is a newcomer 
That is well, that's fully what, what I was expecting. And oh, why didn't they do that? That, well, that right would have been the button on it. You know, yeah, that would have been yeah. the button. That would have given this movie an ending. That's why I said yeah. the ending was just like he starts to walk. He, he has a teeny tiny little scene with Patinkin. He starts to walk her down the aisle. Credits. And I was oh like, Oh my god, oh, you're man. right. It should have been the what, end. What a yeah. missed opportunity because there was that sense. You know, he gets that phone call in the beginning, like you're going to mm-hmm. be there. Yeah. And what a missed opportunity. The fact that they're estranged because yes. he's like, I don't want my daughter marrying one of these slabs. Yeah. There you go. And there, are, I, and there are mentions of a uh, bi, uh, biracial couple or, bi, you know, yep. by the aliens marrying. Yep. Into, wow, that's or, a great, or, I didn't even think about that. It would have been a perfect ending. It was a missed opportunity. Yeah. Missed you have opportunity. to wonder if they, if it was, well, do they show who she's marrying? Do they ever no. show? See, that's the I so wonder if it was there and that they right. somehow they were like, oh, that's a bridge too far somehow or, or <laughs> a weird movie? ending. Tinkin and James Caan are not fans of the movie. James Caan. You're kidding. Really? In, in an interview, he's like, hey, why, why are you even asking about that movie? He was like, yeah, you know, sometimes you do things and it doesn't. He's not happy with it. And oh, my what's God. Funny it was kind of a hit. It was a hit. I tease. I I don't know. I'm wondering if mm. things were cut like that. Now, I know one thing that was mm. cut, which I found so interesting because you were sort of making fun of his name in the beginning, the Sam Francisco. Right. And I mean, I didn't mind it that much because that's the whole thing because they no, gave it's, them- No, it's, it's what like, they it's, do like Ellis Island, the, the way they Ellis gave, Island guy, they gave yeah. names. And I think that's what's funny is they give these names and you're like, they make fun of it. Rudyard Kipling, Richard right. Nixon, all this stuff. Right. And then you find out, yeah, they're just being handed out the names they're the hand, same right. way- Many of our relatives were handed out, yep. names, yeah. you know, like our whole family's, you know, lineage is decided by somebody who's like, I can't pronounce that. This is your name. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> but the, what, what, what struck me is funny. The thing that Manny Patankin disliked the most and really was angry about in this interview originally. So, you know, he says his name is he, Sam. He wanted to be called Sam Clams Disco. Is that, <laughs> was he upset <laughs> that they didn't go farther? No, it was his original name in the script was George Jetson. So that's why he says, can I just call you George? And he said that apparently Hanna-Barbera wouldn't give the rights. Oh, So he showed up to set thinking that his character's name was George Jetson. And it was really funny because in this interview I'm reading, he's like, that was my name. He's like, I signed on to this because the guy's name was George Jetson. And he was really, really angry. So he's like, to this day, he's like, I still still think um, (laughs) it is George Jetson. Wow. So yeah, and they kept uh, for he he was That's really so upset odd. about that. Wow. Now I will say this, I gotta give a little shout out to Manny Patangan because I was trying to get I, I spent uh a summer in not a summer, but a couple of weeks in Italy with uh Mandy's kids. And I know his children and um I I know uh, one of his is I I guess it would be his manager. So I was for this episode, I think I mentioned I was like hoping that maybe he would come on and talk to us. And I knew it was a long shot. Mm. But as I told you, he apparently refuses is refusing to do anything now if it doesn't involve getting the vote out. He won't mm-hmm. do any interviews outside there. And I thought uh, that was pretty great. badass. Yes, I thought Mandy Patankin was great. James Cowan was great. I love their chemistry. It did make me think of Again, the best parts of this movie really are that relationship. It's a lot like what we said about Rush Hour a few weeks ago. It's uh-huh. uh, um, Although this has something else going on, too, and other interesting things happening. They also reminded me, as the, the subtlety, the, dry, the, the, the dryness of Potankin's performance mm-hmm. and the irascibility of Khan. Right. It, it made me think of Midnight Run, too, which was also from oh. this year. Yeah. Right. From two months before. Yeah. Yeah, Just a little bit. Just a little bit. That dynamic, that really delicious dynamic between uh, Grodin, Charles Grodin and Robert De Niro. I I thought that was I I, I'm very surprised to hear that those guys don't 
don't like this movie. It must have been something about the process of doing it must have been like one of those things where you're like, I just want to fucking forget it. Like there must have been extenuating circumstances because this is certainly, you know, yeah. Is it high art? No, it's very entertaining. It was very successful. Um, You know, I'm sure they both have pocketed (laughs) a lot of dough from it over the years. uh, It holds up in a lot of ways. I think it it does. It holds holds up. up. I think think it it really holds up and it's It's not as good as I remember, but yeah, it's a funny line that the movie walks because sometimes it's it's it can be a little silly and a little broad and uh and then it also it has deeper things on its mind and i think it i think it walks the line pretty well oh yeah i think so too i think so too and and Mm -hmm. if it weren't for the good performances at the center of it it wouldn't work because lesser actors would be commenting on it the whole time you know and saying uh, in in the way you see sometimes in the star trek movies or the star Mm -hmm. trek series is where where the star trek series where where you know somebody's playing the idea of you know the alien who can't fit in or the or the or the you know um you get it you get too broad of a sense of what this alien race is you know Mm -hmm. issue or problem or challenge is but not so with this it's handled in a very you know it actually reminds me of reminded me of movies like uh uh french connection you know mm. I mean, oh I mean, totally i thought about that as well with james Conn's yeah. character yeah, yeah totally. he's very popeye doyle-ish yeah. you know and when and when popeye doyle goes into the into the african you know the african-american bar and yeah. starts roughing everybody this has a scene that's very much like that and oh, you yeah. kind of go yeah if if we if you don't get that this is about race relations in america yeah. you get it now from this scene because it has echoes to other um movies that have dealt with that uh in a more direct way so that's a but that's a great thing that sci-fi does and has always done mm-hmm. you know the new picard series is tremendous it's tremendous and to me it's everything that star trek has led to has is now this series because it is so much about fear of the other yeah that's great. I love. I really. Like I, that. You know, I even had a note here that Patankin reminded me. I, I said, he, in some ways, he was a very Spock-like character to me. Very it was a, much, just so. energetically, yeah. if nothing else. But um, yeah, he would have uh, been a great Spock, actually. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. How many Sheilas? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go seven point five. I'm gonna go seven as well. well I was gonna, seven, go, I'm seven. gonna go seven. I might have do. Nice. I was gonna go seven point five, but the four top song at the end sort of brings it down. <laughs> okay, oh. now that okay. Now, do you understand that? Well, that's Megaforce level. What, it is Megaforce level, but I mean, do you understand why they chose that song? Oh, I mean, well, the lyrics. Yes. Yeah. The uh, I I was I yeah. Read the lyrics. Two hearts that can beat as one. We're indestructible. Indestructible. We got the power of love. And it's by, it's by the by the four tops. We're indestructible. It's because the goddamn aliens the, the, the have aliens two have hearts. two hearts. <laughs> the aliens have no. two hearts. Did you get that, Fred? That's I why. knew they had two hearts, that's, but I missed that part well, of it. That's I was thinking why. more of like yeah, the human heart and and and, and, yeah. and, and Manny heart are beating as one because they finally come together and they're friends. No, it's because the freaking aliens have two hearts. Every movie in the 1980s had to crank out some piece of shit for the the closing credits on the on the slim on the wing and a prayer kind of hope that like they could get it on Friday night videos or something. Ah, Friday night videos. So you know, I mean, yeah, you almost have to accept you. You almost have to hit mute as soon as you see like 
a freeze frame of a character in an 80s movie. If you want to save yourself from <laughs> judging it, up, it. Hit mute. You turn it up all the way. <laughs> it really depends, though. <laughs> Give it a couple moving. seconds. Find out how many hearts the people in the song have. And then... <laughs> You know, Mandy Patinkin was the was the partner. <laughs> Andy Patinkin was the partner of James Kahn's dreams, and Digit was the gorilla. My dreams, huh? Oh, oh Digit! I'll be leaving the sweet Digit. I'll be leaving the podcast. <laughs> Gorillas in the mist. <laughs> On December sixteenth, nineteen sixty-six. Diane Fossey left a life of comfort and privilege and went alone into the mountains of Africa. Some of the believe a woman living alone up there has to be married. She was determined to make contact with the wild mountain gorillas and save them from extinction. Universal Pictures and Warner Brothers present Sigourney Weaver, Brian Brown, in the true story of one woman's incredible courage. Gorillas in the Mist. The true story of wildlife expert Diane Fossey, played by Sigourney Weaver, who leaves the United States for Africa, where she studies the gorillas of Rwanda and Uganda. As Fossey develops a bond with the animals, she also becomes wary of the poachers who prey on them. Fearing that the gorillas will go extinct if humans continue to hunt them, she organizes a defense league to protect the animals, and, in doing so, puts herself in a perilous situation. Gorillas in the Mist was a box office hit, earning $4.8 million over its opening weekend, with a total domestic take of $24.7 million and a worldwide total of $61.1 million. Fred and Dan, what did you guys think of Gorillas in the Mist? I loved it. I just loved, loved, loved this movie. I, I, it, it ended, I had tears streaming down my face and I went, every human needs to see this movie. I immediately went to see, I immediately went on to Netflix um, to see if Virunga was still on there because I need to watch that now. It's been in my queue forever. It's, it's, a, it's a documentary about um, the, the, the sort of the, the people who are trying to still to this day stop the poachers. Mm -hmm. um, oh. <clears throat> um, and so I want to watch that because I haven't watched it yet. So I can't wait. But, um, you know, what a what a life, what a what a legacy. I, I, I can't get over this movie. I mean, I, I I want everybody to to watch it. The 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 performance of Sigourney Weaver at the center of it. The, the only the only thing I can say that is even slightly critical of 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 anything about about the Diane Fossey sort of journey in this is at the very beginning I just want to know a little more about who she was prior to showing yeah. up at the big conference where she Why meets. is she doing this? Exactly. Why do, why does she have to do this? Yeah, what's the, the obsession? We know what it is because we see it develop over the course of the yeah. movie so we see how she connects with the gorillas and why she keeps doing it, but why does she start to do it? What brings her to the point where mm. she's in that conference and, and 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 says, you know, Dr. Leakey, I need to I need to talk to you. I've been the one writing you the letters. What gets her to that point? I missed that um utterly. She says something about she's a physical 
therapist or something like that. Yeah, she works with kids. Yeah. Kids with disabilities. Yeah, Yeah, that's what it was. She works with kids for disabilities. It's at the very beginning. It's very quick. And I went, okay, wait, why is she, why does she want to go to to Africa? But, you know, that's the only thing I needed more of, you know, and I kept thinking the movie was going to reveal that and it really never never mm. does. And I so was it's waiting like, too. I thought for sure that maybe somewhere in the, cause I thought the same thing in the beginning and I thought maybe in the middle, she'll tell like just a quick story or something. Me but too. Yeah. Yeah. But we never really got that. So that's really the only thing as, and that's not even a, that's in the screenplay, I guess, or in the edit, maybe it was in there and it's not there, but um, that's really the only thing where I can be like, this is a flaw in the movie because the, the uh, um, you know, the way that this thing, It's a story of obsession. Which one of you is Claude Van Vechten? Are you responsible for kidnapping this animal? How dare you break into my private property? If I see you or your meat wagon again, you'll be lucky if you don't end up in a wooden box. Bill of sale, madam, from the Minister of the Interior. I'm going to have you arrested. You try it. Just try it. No, you piece of shit. Bastard. God, when she see, you know, when she sees some of the, some of Mm -hmm. what she sees, the violence and and things like that, you just, uh, you know, she's, she's tearing her heart out. She's tearing her heart out. She's fantastic. This is, I've never seen her like, I love Sigourney Weaver. I love her in everything. There's, I don't, I can't think of anything that I haven't enjoyed her in. And, Yes, and indeed. this was really, especially there's a, especially when when things turn when you like you say when the obsession mm-hmm. kicks into high gear and it's yeah. like her whole her whole face changes. Her it's whole like it's like this everything. everything everything that it's like there's there are lines in her face and there are, there are angles and shades and nooks and crannies yeah. and I mean and it's not and she's beautiful and 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 and, and you know it's. It's just her. It's just there's so much happening. There's it so taken much. Toll, it's, you know? it's bone yeah. deep. Yeah, it's really. But the journey where the journey there is very believable. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Because she's got that intensity in the beginning, right from the start. There's a subtleness in getting there and it, it makes goes sense. Somewhere. You know, it's not just a sudden turn like, oh, she's she's gone yeah. nutty. And yeah. it's great <laughs> that she's not just a saint. She steps into the dark. Do you like this ring? You want to keep the hand this ring is on? If I see or hear or smell you anywhere near my gorillas. You'll be writing with your other hand and I'll have a new ashtray. You understand me? You understand well, me? Yes, crazy I am. Woman. I am crazy. You'll go to fire. Good. Don't That's push good. me. I'll push you up and the earth, you murderer! You know me. I, of course, I've got to say this because I wrote down vigilante stuff and I'm like, in a weird way, it's very <laughs> Batman. When she takes on this red yes. witch persona and she's like, this is now the symbol. And I'm yes. play. It's very much that like the Dark Knight great. Rises when they're like, they're like putting the chalk outlines everywhere. And it's like, he's coming back. The bat's coming back. The bat's coming back. And she's like drawing that witch on the trees. Like, you know, yeah. watch out, motherfuckers. Yeah, like, she becomes you, another persona. She becomes a, a persona. She, like a Dark Knight of the, yes. of the jungle. It's so it's awesome. It's really great. And even though they build up to it and she goes and she's you know she goes yeah. to the mark and she wants to get masks when they bring that kid in there yeah. and like just the, res- the wow. look on her face i was like holy shit this is turning and yeah. it was great but again Ooh. you're not looking at at, at 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 a person going oh god they're going crazy 
they are fighting for it. They believe in it. They know what they have to do. It's but fighting the, for the preservation of that, yeah. of, that of the species of, of that, yeah. you know, like a, 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 a mother fighting for her children. Um, the guy who plays Sembagare, John Omira Milui. Amazing. He, he, he was, was amazing. He was, he was so a good. beautiful performance. Oh yeah, my really, God. Really, really lovely. What does he say at the end where he's like, I don't, I don't hate you. Like, you've made I'm, me ashamed I'm, of you. Me oh, ashamed. I'm ashamed of you. I'm and always she, on your side, oh, but you've made me ashamed of God, you. And she breaks down. <gasps> yeah. That's when it really got to me when she weeps in his arms uh, oh, about digit. And then, and then he cried the one tear down yeah. his face. He's a, a gorgeous actor. Oh his my performance God. was absolutely fantastic. wonderful. I don't, has he done anything since this movie? I, I, don't, I, I, I don't know. He was just fantastic, but I did. I had to look up his name, Dan. Same thing. I had to like, was so like we good. have to mention him. John Omira Milui. I don't know. Yeah, sure if it was, we're that, was, that was a real, that was a beautiful performance. He's great. Great. Yeah, I thought I was blown away. I mean, the I, I guess they were real gorillas because I, I knew that Rick yeah. Baker worked on the movie. What amazing work. I, I thought it was seamless. I couldn't tell half the time. No. The moments when they're in true distress, like the baby, you know, there are like a couple of shots where I think it is something animatronic. Some of the gorillas were chimpanzees and they had, and they, they put on um, ah. a darker makeup on the chimpanzees and put a thicker fur on them. Mm. But, oh um, yeah. 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 Oh, that, okay. I, I, I could, I can see that now. I can see that. Cause I, saw, that. I did see a video uh, back then before the movie went into production of Rick Baker, like playing with the little animatronic wow. baby gorillas. It's really cool. You so know, just cool. Building it up from like a little skeleton into a fully formed gorilla. Well, that's amazing. Uh, because Dan's like, right. It's pretty seamless. That, that interaction. Yeah, I feel like there was only one or two thing. times where I was like, okay, I think that's an animatronic, but I'm still not sure. I, yeah, I never, it never took me out of the movie. No. Never, ever. Never. Uh, and those scenes, I love the scenes where she's learning to do their mannerisms oh. and trying to figure out how to communicate that. Like and her behavior, how she, she's a brilliant actor. And this is like, you get why she's nominated for this. I mean, not just like, it, it is the kind of, in a funny way, it's kind of an Oscar bait. It's, you know, such a, a famous woman and such a, uh, an mm -hmm. important story, but the, sh all the different, shades that she gets to explore and show but even again and we said this with ghostbusters that she came into the audition room and she became a dog in the audition room. i mean her theater training is really fantastic and she became yeah, a dog yeah. in the audition and that's where they got the idea like oh that dane is going to turn into a dog i mean the, the way she awesome. mimics the apes and lives among them and the way she eats around them and just yeah. just observes them and tries to become as much like them this movie wasn't even about gorillas originally i mean when she went into the audition <laughs> it was for something else completely. it was working girl and then she was and they said they said look we want you for this too but we got to get this we got to get somebody on the horn here who they still called it, called it the horn back in 87 <laughs> What does it feel like to you to work with Harrison Ford? And she started beating her chest and eating grubs and stuff. And they're like, wait, wait a minute. Hey, point that thing someplace else. All right, don't. The, where the movie was least interesting to me was in the relationship with Brian Brown. And was he going to leave his wife and them in the bathtub and thing? stuff? I'm sure it is. I'm sure it's a real something from real life, but it seemed, but the focus that that was given, I was not very interested in that mm. part. I like Brian Brown. I thought he was very good. I just, it wasn't, it wasn't holding me. And I was starting to lose a little bit of interest in that. That was not what 
what captured my imagination in this story. And yeah. and as I was watching it, a I little, thought, yeah, it just it was, I, and it's not anywhere near as potent a role as as Ed Harris's in Sweet Dreams. But I didn't know it wasn't going to be a more. I was like, this is really sure. becoming a two hander here. When uh, okay. I want to see about the her research and relationship with the girls, and not about the strain that her work is taking on this relationship with him. And I, for a moment, I thought, is this is this indicative of a lack of confidence in the 80s in women's stories huh. in a movie that is just headlined by a woman that. I did and that where that. she's the protagonist and she doesn't a woman who doesn't necessarily need a man or the man's side of it to to define her or uh, or right. shed light on her in some way and I thought you know or is there something more insidious going on because the, everything we said about sweet dreams last week it's like yes they clearly wanted to make that movie that a movie about that relationship right. more than a movie about patsy klein in total but you have to wonder is it because they're like well we need we need two stars and we need a male star and yeah you know i had that not that brian well. brown is the biggest you know box sure. office name but you know right. still i thought is there something in it that's like well we got to have it you could have been have i assumed that it was i assumed guy. that it was a way yeah. of showing how she was sort of incapable of forming this human relationship or that she was so determined yeah. to to stick to her job that you know she just she cut herself off from well, that but, and just to give her another sense of loss. Right. And that, that is where it goes. And then he leaves the movie and he stays out of the movie. And then it becomes like how that then affects her and how she falls deeper into the crevasse that she's kind of. This is someone that yeah. she could potentially have a family with. And they talk about that. Yeah. But, but, but he, but she has that great line to him when he leaves, when she says, do not, con- do not yeah. write to me and don't come back. Yeah, if you go, don't yeah. come back. Yeah, Be, me, which I took to mean, you know, I know that I'm in this forever now, and I know that you won't be. Yeah, I thought that was beautiful. Oh, that was one of my favorite moments. In and it. then the the next shot, you know, when she's she's in the rain in that. Oh my! Up, when she's sitting God. like like among the gorillas out there so in the rain, gorgeous. and she's weeping there, and it's it's a beautiful. There's some stunning shots in this movie some beautiful images but, michael um, apted give me some yeah. more what else i know he i know about the seven up movies that's and what all i was gonna that, say but yeah. what are some of the other like bigger because yeah, those coal miner's right? daughter oh of course um, okay and uh he did a, he did that. a james bond movie but yeah. so well directed and yes that moment of her in the parka just there with the grill i mean she that's the moment where you go oh she's become one yep. of them mm-hmm. Yeah, you know she has become one of them. She is fully and the other. My other favorite moment is touching digits. Yeah, hand. when they first sort of mm-hmm. touch hands the first time. Oh yeah. my god! And then the irony, the horrible, tragic irony of what happens to oh god, what they do to Digit. But I mean the the moment where they touch. I mean it's like you know it's like the Sistine Chapel. It's God touching the. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean touching yeah. man and and uh, you know and it's like that. It it's. It's such a great movie and so unexpected. I was like, okay, this is going to be, this is going to be, um, you know, sad and, uh, uh, and, and, um, and heartfelt, but man, it really got me. I loved this. It it got me by the midway point. It got me and it held on to me. Uh, Before then I was like, well, she's wonderful. The work with the gorillas is amazing. You know, I mean, I was like, you know, it's like, there's a lot to admire, especially coming from her, but the movie as a whole didn't really hook into me until the midway point, but then it did. And I thought it was great. Michael Apted, before 
Gorillas in the Mist, you know, again, like kind of spotty all over the place. He mm-hmm. made a lot of movies, but the ones you would know, Coal Miner's Daughter in 1980, Continental Divide in 81, mm. Gorky Park oh, yeah. in 83. Another then one that was on cable yeah. all the time, yeah. Critical Condition, with, uh, which I think Richard is the Richard Pryor, Pryor yeah. movie, uh, 87. Oh, That's before Gorillas goodness. in the Mist. After that, Class Action, Thunderheart. Nell, the Jodie Foster movie, mm. Nell. Nell uh, is the sequel to Gorillas in the Mist. <laughs> extreme sure. Measures, in a way. Extreme Measures, which I think was the... I don't know that. That was the Hugh Grant, Elizabeth Hurley movie. It was like a thriller. Uh, the World is Not Enough. That's the uh, Bond movie that he did. And then his last kind of big one, uh, I think, is uh, the movie Enough, the Jennifer Lopez movie, Enough, from 2002. Okay. He did one of the Chronicles of Narnia movies, and his last yeah. movie was called Unlocked. In 2017, which I've heard of. How many Sheilas? How many Sheilas for Gorillas? Wow, I think I might give this one. um, Oh, gosh, 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 gosh. I want to say like an eight and a half, eight and a half, nine. (gasps) I'm going nine. I'm, I'm. Going, I'm going seven point five, seven and a half. I had seven, and I'm, I'm gonna eke it up a little bit. It really didn't. It didn't grab onto me until the midway point and then you know and and there was a lot that i i loved about it but yeah it wasn't um it, it took a while for me to get yeah you're there. right uh, you, you talked me down a little bit i'm gonna go down to i'm gonna bring it down to an eight now wait a minute all oh, right for the love okay all right now i have to go down to 8.5 no i'm sticking with nine no I'm you can stay with nine. With seven nine. eight nine nice and clear seven boom, eight nine boom boom seven boom, eight boom, nine boom. which was the joke the quote unquote nine, joke nine, that Tom nine. Hanks uses to build God. Sally Field up to tell even worse jokes. Madness. Madness. God. Madness. And we'll get to it, but I think I, I would like, we're so, we're clearly itching to segue into punchline. But how's the sack? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good good way of uh of getting to the sack the 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 sack is full let's punch that it sack. Is wow. so full because we didn't have a sack last week no and, no sack and last week. this week we've got a full sack mm, um, we got so sack gonna, lunch yeah. dig in <laughs> num 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 it's funny you say that because of what's in the sack and you'll see you'll see <laughs> oh, that boy. in a minute so let me just go ahead and, and open up the sack oh there we go oh Look at this from our beloved Sheila, Ruthless Buzzy, as she's known. <laughs> um, dear boys, we're still here on vacation. We've 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 taken a trip down to Sweetwater, Texas, to U- to Eustisville, she says. This <laughs> is still very hard to read. She's getting the hang of using a pen as a, as a, as a uh, as a half murder hornet, half human, but it's, it's hard it's, to write with pincers. Well, that's <laughs> you know that, that's what I'm great. saying. She's really trying to, it's very, it's very sort of all over the page, but um, yeah, we're here in Sweetwater, Texas at Eustace's ranch. Ooh. And um, we're pitching ideas. We're pitching ideas for movies. Well, you got Jack and Al there. I mean, you have two of the greatest, you know, it, Exactly. And here's what she says. On movie night this week, we watched Punchline. Jack and Al immediately started pitching their idea for the movie they want to produce, Lunchline, (laughs) in which they play high school bullies who are uh, constantly picking on uh, Jacob Joseph in the Lunchline of the school. So Jacob Joseph will be the star of the film. Is it going to be like an Irishman type thing where they de-age Jack and Al? 
Oh, I don't. Yeah, I, are, they, are they supposed to be kids, bullies, in this or just school? two old men that wander into a school, or are they? The, or are they like the lunch ladies? That yeah, that is a billion dollar idea there, Fred. <laughs> Al Pacino, you pull Jack Nicholson out of retirement, <laughs> and Al Pacino, two elderly men in a home. And then it's like, we, before we die, we need to have, feel like we have purpose. And then they're like, get a job as, as lunch ladies. Uh, I agree with you that that would be a better idea, uh, but that's not what's it. Uh, oh, I'm letter, so sorry. The le- no, I'm, I agree. That would be a fantastic idea. The, 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 the letter seems to be saying <laughs> that as is, no makeup and no CGI, they will play high school bullies. I can see that. I can totally see that. I'm on board for that. Who who pick on Jacob Joseph? Uh, it says here in the letter, the lunch lady will be played by Tote, uh, which I think <laughs> is sense. you know lunch ladies are scary and yeah. sometimes have no facial skin. The macaroni yeah. and cheese is nefarious <laughs> today. Toss. Would you like some cobbler with that? I think those are some of the lines. We should pitch some of those lines to them. But she says right here at the end, poor Adam, he's so jealous of his brother. Oh. I hope he can get over this. Love, Ruthless Buzzy, a.k.a. There's no role in this for Adam? uh, Well, but I mean, he's half Ardwolf. What's he going to play? He can play the Ardwolf, He's at the school. I I guess Jack and Al aren't seeing it that way. They're not seeing it that way, you know? Oh, and then at the bottom it says, P.S. Geppetto is directing. <laughs> so it's, you know, they have a director signed on. This thing is fully cast. They're pitching. I, de- I think they're, you know, I get the impression that there are already a couple drafts into this screenplay. Uh, but the star of the movie clearly is Jacob Jones. This is exciting. I'm this excited about it. I'm a little worried for Adam, but I'm super excited about it. I'm, so. I'm hoping that like Netflix or Hulu yeah. or one of those networks <laughs> can pick it up. I think this is going to be great. And then the more famous that this movie gets the more famous we get because they can keep, you know, when they go on their promo tour, when they're they're doing panel, you know, on, Mm -hmm. uh, on Carson, Carson's not on anymore. When they're doing panel on uh, (laughs) wherever they go on Kimmel, they can say, Oh, and you know what? Give a listen to the opening weekend podcast. When they're, when they go on, uh, on the Chevy Chase show. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. Oh, Oh, the short lived. Um, they can say, Hey, go to iTunes, go to Spotify, Go to Transistor, give us five tunes on uh, five stars on iTunes or five tunes on iStars. <laughs> and uh, something, write us a nice review on there, huh? I will say we did have one write in because I uh, it was mm. it was Dan's birthday last week, and um, mm-hmm. I asked some of our fans mm-hmm. what their favorite mm-hmm. manualist interpretations of songs oh, were, yeah. and uh, mm. our our big time fan Jonas mentioned his favorite was uh, your rendition of "I'm All Right." Caddyshack. That was a nice glissando. That might have been my favorite as well. Yeah, yeah, that was a tough one. Yeah, that was a good one. I think I think Raiders was my favorite. I think Raiders was Mm. really was a power was powerful. Mm. Dude looks like Mm. a lady for Mm. its pat. Oh yeah, I forgot that. that. Impressive. Forgot about (laughs) that. All great. They're all really good. No one liked when I did Batman. That was my finest moment when I completely went off the rails and went into another song. Yes, you went into like. you went into something from Empire God Strikes Almighty. Back, I think. But no, no, no. But they, but still, two great pieces of music <laughs> stitched together by your sweaty palms. Maybe tonight you can finish with the love theme from Punchline. <laughs> Which is, is that a song? Yeah, just one single wet fart. It's not <laughs> one tuneless. <laughs> the love scene from Punchline. <laughs>
That's it. <laughs> That's it. Yes, the whoopee cushion is the punchline. Can, can you make it descend downward? I feel like that would be more appropriate. Yeah, just failure, like, just abject see, failure. Can we hear what that's like? Let me see. Let me see. <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's it. It's that is barely there. That's yeah. punchline. Uh, my my name is uh, well, you know who I am. So. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, anyone here from? Uh, well, don't you hate it when when, when comics uh, do that? It means they don't know what else to say. <clears throat> anyone from out of town? Here you go. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Great. But you, sir, where where are you from? Green Bay, Wisconsin. There's nothing funny about that. Lila Kritzik, played by Sally Field, is a mother and housewife who, deep down, has always hoped and believed she could be a stand-up comedian. Stephen Gold, played by Tom Hanks, is an experienced but troubled stand-up comic seemingly on the cusp of success. When the two meet, they form an unlikely friendship, and Stephen tries to help the untried Lila develop her stage act. Despite the objections of her husband, played by John Goodman, and some very wobbly beginnings, Lila begins to improve even as Stephen unravels, and she soon finds herself competing with Stephen for a coveted television spot. Released during the comedy club boom of the 80s and aiming, but failing, to be the definitive word on that subject, Punchline earned $6 million over its opening weekend on its way to a total take of $21 million. Fred and Dan, we've... Really kind of intimated, <laughs> not too subtly, <laughs> what we think about it. But but I don't know. Let's just wipe the slate clean. Let's go in fresh. What did you guys think of uh, Punchline? And I will just edit in that fart sound that you did. <laughs> I just kept thinking, God, because I mean, I really want to hear what, what you think of this, Jason, because yeah. you've done stand-up before. Okay. But I just kept thinking, my God, if I were, if I were a stand-up comedian... I would, I would not be very happy watching this movie. It was uh, because of the way comics are depicted. But no, just how it, it diminishes it. It, it, it. Because it's not funny. Because it's a movie well, about stand-up <laughs> that is not funny. No, I'm sorry. I I asked you what you think. I'm sorry. Uh, 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 no, no, no. You're I right. I mean, I know now, we we agree on this point. So it's yeah. Not. You know, it's really hard to make a movie about comedy or about comedians because if you're not funny mm. it's uh, that's it you've lost right there like you're already working at a disadvantage and i remember seeing this movie i didn't see it in the theaters i saw it probably right when it first came on cable and i remember hearing you know this was sort of a big deal because this was like a, a darker edgier tom hanks so i was very curious to see it for that and i remember when i saw it at the time sort of appreciating it and being like, okay, I liked it. And then rewatching it, I just got, no, this, this, this misses the mark on so many levels. Yeah. These are, you know, I feel like his character is, I kept thinking and maybe because I listened to his podcast so much, but I'm like, okay, was he based on Mark Marin? this sort of self-loathing, self-sabotaging, mm. angry, but you know, who's been at it for a while, but he's only been doing it for 18 months. Yeah. He says 
He's barely been at it. The, oh, right. the comedy club He's got a real chip didn't seem shoulder. steeped in reality at all. It's the same no, comedians that's every the question night. I have. Yeah, it, yeah. Like, that's and, they're, and they have seen. lockers there. Like they all. I mean, come on, <laughs> get the fuck what out is of this here. Taxi? I've never exactly. I wrote that down. I was like, is is this? Ta- it's the same critique everybody had of Joker when it's like, yeah, Joaquin Phoenix and a bunch of birthday clowns all have lockers in like in some fucking dingy. Come on basement in Manhattan like yeah this is where we change yeah. into our stand up costume I mean get the yeah. fuck out of here it's not like any club you've ever seen okay, not like any club question. I've ever been to it's no. like they're a rep company I was like exactly what is, what is, yeah. oh, you don't have the been... same lineup every night that old man who's like so heartbroken that he's not included <laughs> in it's like you God. wouldn't be there every single night doing your no. set it's no. uh, and the history teacher who's terrible it was like it, it reminded me of like Okay, this is it's a dumb. this it's is a, a community movie. theater troupe. It's like waiting for Guffman or something. It's like yes. this is a community theater troupe, not a not a bunch of comics. No. That's what you want the subject matter to be about. Is is a community theater troupe that thinks they're going to strike it big or something? Which is crazy that no one ever called them out on that fact. Like, why did no one? Like, I mean, it wasn't even. You mean in the making like, of it, or just in yeah, the re- response? Human. Because there's no there. It is not a well received movie. It's not well liked. It doesn't have. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not I a well written. They were making it in the making of it. I mean, because yeah, they were right. actual comedians in the movie. You had yes. Taylor Negron, Damon Wayans, Barry yep. Sobel. I mean, you had people. Bob Zamuda wasn't was Bob, was that Bob Zamuda who's the guy in the audience. Uh, Tom Hanks oh, is bombing. Know. Oh, maybe it was. And he's was. like, where are you from? Are you from? And he's like, Green Bay. Uh, Here's the, pr- the problem with the movie something? is there weren't enough stand-ups in it. And the, and the ones who were there got to barely do anything. I mean, that's the, right. this should have been wall-to-wall comedians and comedians who can also act. And they are out there. And the idea that yes. you have to have Sally Field and Tom Hanks play stand-up comics when they don't do comedy. I mean, they they no. you know, they both did they didn't have they didn't have good material. You can see Tom Hanks has a persona that you're like, oh yeah. I thought he did well with what he had. Yeah, yeah. It's still not good. But comedy. it wasn't good. It was not even good. for the eighties. It was it was dreadful. I, I remember yeah. I saw it on opening night in the theater. I was so excited. Now I was a kid. I'm not an expert in anything. Yeah, I'm sure the the stand up that I was doing and a lot of the stand up I was seeing was hacky and whatever. You know what I mean? Like sure. I'm not. But but I know. I know funny. I know what made what made me laugh when I was when I would watch stand up on television or when I would be in a comedy club, either waiting to perform because I was I was doing comedy. I was doing stand up at that age. I was working in clubs on Long Island and and performing at open mics and things. And and the the joy of it, maybe that's a hard thing to capture on film outside of a concert film of a great stand up. But that's why I feel like they should have. It should have been comedians. It should have been well, comedians. Maybe, yeah. yeah, maybe try to capture it. <laughs> try the, uh, the writing is the writing is poor. Piss it, poor. It, it just lays there. All the stand up is very very mediocre. It's not unlike, in a way, marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which which where the stand up is not fantastic, but. The stand-up is actually a very small part of that show, which sometimes yes. annoys me. Well, that's but the, the thing. but the good thing about that show yeah. is that it, there's a lot of other characters and a lot of other ground to cover that yeah. uh, that that right. makes that show work. For the it's amount of time they spend in a club with comedians doing material, and it, and it's and it's all laying there. It's just laying yeah. there. Yeah. I, I'm yeah. like, nobody laughed. I remember seeing it in the movie theater and nobody laughing. I was like, this no. is deadly that it's a movie about stand-up comedy. That just doesn't work. The comedy doesn't work. So nothing else. It doesn't want to be a movie about stand-up comedy. It wants to be a movie about something else. And stand-up comedy happens to be 
the MacGuffin yeah, of this relation of a complicated relationship movie. So you take the relationship out of it, you put it in any other context. You know what I mean? Um, the 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 Tom Hanks Sally Field relationship. Really, you think that's what the movie was about? That's what it wants. That's what the first half of it up and up until he's da- dancing in the rain. Their relationship was was compelling to me. I was like, oh, this is actually. This is actually what they what they have going on because they're so skilled. I love both of them. Yes. And they and and you and I not that I believed it for a second. The 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 overriding story of this, right? The 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 the, the mom who's going to come in from Jersey and take a cab in it's and so, she'd be bankrupt. It's so stupid. You know, so dumb. But you take the dumb away. You take the MacGuffin away, right? You, you, the 39 steps is not about the 39 steps. You take that away and you and you go, "Okay, this is a movie about two people who are trying to uh, connect who are from different, you know, places and whatever. And that was actually a compelling story until we got to that around the, he's, he's dancing in the rain scene. Well, then you're like, well, this guy's mentally unstable. Yes. He's, yes. Right. He's got mental problems and he's right. like, and it's a 20 minute scene of him dancing in the rain. Oh I'm my like, God, go away. Endless, and endless, her reaction endless. shots. It's like, it was torture. It was, ridiculous. It was hot torture. <laughs> Here's the thing where I feel like right from the start, their relationship didn't work because oh. I never bought, and you mentioned Maisel and I was thinking about that, of course, because that's such like a huge, you know, yeah. cultural phenomenon. Is it now. because and, she's and, Forrest Gump's mom? Is that why it didn't work for you? Oh, <laughs> oh I did not even think about that. Holy that's shit. really funny. She's Forrest Gump's mom that's and they make out in the back of a cab. Gehoven. You stand up, you tell dirty jokes. What does that have to do with you? Are you a sex pot? Give me a break. You're a Jersey housewife with snot-nosed kids, a car that won't start. You tell me about that. That's what takes guts, and that's what you don't have. Am I making myself clear? When Tom Hanks is originally... When they first meet up and he's like, yeah, I'll write you some jokes. But you can tell, like, he just wants to fucking pay his He's just on the make, make yeah. Yeah, so I'm like, okay, keep going with there. But then when when it turns and he's like, no, you're actually funny. And he, like, sees something in her. I'm like, no, you don't. That's full of shit. I don't buy it because you never get that moment. Even at, There's no. never a moment even at home where she's making her kids laugh. No. She's always this sad sack at home. Speaking of marriage, I'm married to a Polish man. I don't know if you know Polish men. But he gave me something long and hard when we got married. You know what? Yeah, a last name. <laughs> oh, you heard that one, huh? I hate when, you know, Tom Hanks is doing this kind of mediocre, you know, angry stand-up. And uh, yeah, sometimes without any, you know, he just like screams at certain points and people are going nuts and laughing. And they keep cutting to people in the audience, like looking at him, like staring at him like he's Jesus oh, it's so fucking Christ. It's so, it's so labored. Yeah, it's terribly labored. And, uh, oh. and the same thing with Sally Field, where people are like, they're peeing their pants just because she's like, I've never seen a vibrator before. Oh, boy. No, terrible. That 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 was awful. awful. Where she brings him, where he brings him into the other. That was the only time they went to another club, I think. Yeah. And he's sort of yeah, coaching right. her. Um, that was oh god, it was so bad. And I'm gonna and I remember thinking this at the time, and I stand by this. I think David Berkowitz is funny. David Berkowitz is funnier than Charles Manson because Charles Manson Charles is Manson, so yeah. obvious. Even yes. in the eighties, it was so obvious a punchline. Yeah. You know, that's what makes you think like, Jesus Christ, the person who wrote this movie doesn't know. He's not funny. 
They don't right. know comedy. They're not now. funny. Yeah. They don't know comedy. They don't know how comedy clubs work. Uh, allegedly, they don't. They don't know like as far as the, it's different people every night. Even in the eighties, was it was right? Yeah. They don't like go downstairs into a locker room. No. You know, in any way, shape, or form, and that's never been the way it has been. I'm like, there's no way this is based on reality. No. So there, at no point did anyone do their homework on this thing or tell the filmmakers, "Hey, do your homework on this thing." It's and then it's also it it also sort of diminishes the whole act of what they're doing at the end where she wins, which is ridiculous. Uh, and then she just sort of like walks away. She's like, I don't care. Well, then what the fuck was the point? Oh, if you don't yeah, care, it's like, then why are you doing this? You don't this? want to be on Johnny Carson? That back was absurd. In, back when Johnny Carson was still doing shows. Um, yeah, that's when she, it's like, okay, that I ending. see what you're trying to do here. And it's oh horrible God. that like yeah. he wants this. He needs this. I'm happy. I'm. She's like, I'm so new to it. I'm so good at it already. There'll be other opportunities. Really? Oh. Do you think you're going to walk into that club next week and uh, that panel of judges is going to give you another opportunity to be on Johnny right. Carson? Because they're not. Because you just yeah. you just shit all over yeah. it. To me, the most interesting portrayal of a comedian, I thought, uh, was Taylor Negron, who is that sort of like bitter, you know, ever just watching everyone like, hey, who's he, here? Who's here? Who's here? Like, yeah, because he had that uh, that kind of hunger and that kind of um, yeah, uh, bi- not bitter, but like uh, the, the competitive, was, the competitive streak, the edge. Yes, that edge is very, very, very authentic. Right. I mean, that is what you know. I mean, there's the joy of. Of being in a stand-up club and watching people perform, but I, but from being behind the scenes too, there is that there is a kind of a caddy thing and a little, you know. This you know, tension. I wanted to see them working on their material. You work on when, it if it's going to end up being good eventually, but if you, if it's the well, material yes. that's in that movie, <laughs> no, but you know what I mean. Like you never see her working at material at home. You never see her working stuff out. You see her running oh. around trying to get dinner made. That scene Jeez. is forty-five minutes long, <laughs> and it should go in a toilet. It was. Uh, who gives a shit? Yeah, <laughs> but but Fred, the, you're the, right. The, Fred. the movie starts with her buying jokes from a joke writer for five hundred dollars, and they're yeah. old hackneyed jokes. So she doesn't have the skill necessary to actually write the comedy. That's very clear right from the beginning of the movie. They make it crystal clear: this woman cannot actually write comedy. All she has a passion for is making people laugh, being on stage, and getting chuckles. As we know from all being actors. If you have a passion for standing in front of people and and entertaining them, that's one thing. Yeah. There's a whole other thing <laughs> that yeah. is the ability to actually create characters and tell stories in a compelling and and truthful way. That's where the actual acting, you know, nuts mm-hmm. and bolts come in. You can, you know, it, the other thing, just liking, you know, enjoying being in the spotlight, that's called community theater. <laughs> and that's why this movie you know, I, I kept going, this should have been waiting for Guffman. This is what this movie actually is. It's amateurs who like standing on a stage. This is yeah. not craftspeople who like to make, who actually like and have a passion for and create comedy, except for the old man. Which yeah. was, again, I was just going to say another wasted opportunity because yeah, that, that scene story. at the end could have been absolutely heartbreaking. Yeah. You know, they, that's what they were going for. They were going for, to me, it was the idea of like, here are all these people who put their heart and soul into this profession. And and what do they get from it? Nothing. Yep. And that and that's really what they're staring down. They're, mm-hmm. Tom Hanks is, yeah. is looking at this guy being like, is this who I'm going to become? He's Tom Hanks. He's a wonderful actor yeah. and yeah, he's, he's great. Irreverent. He's great. You know, he can go to the emotion. That's the thing. They wanted it to be 
they wanted it to be tears of a clown, but you got to have clown first. <laughs> Otherwise the tears don't matter. <laughs> Otherwise it's just sullen. They just got to, just gotta, you know, get chemically imbalanced the movie and then just, you know, <laughs> Now, has, there, has there ever been a good movie about comedy? I mean, I can't. I'm no, thinking uh, all funny I'm thinking is like, Apatow. yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty yeah. good, but it goes off into other directions that. Yeah, it gets too it, long. It's not enough about the thing. Uh, funny people, the Judd Apatow movie. Okay, no, yeah. I, I don't know. When I was thinking of it last night and I was like, to me, the only, if I want to sit down and watch a movie that gives me the, the liftoff the 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 highs and the lows of mm. of comedy of comedy it's both cases are cheating it's the it's the aristocrats and yeah. it's uh jerry seinfeld's documentary comedian, comedian. Yeah. yeah i think those yeah. are both brilliant but they are actual comics it's all real right. it's documentary I, I don't think there has been maybe i'm wrong i can't think of a a a fictional film you know uh hmm. that that captures it uh, Maisel gets something because there's the, what I, I was I was going to mention this before. Maisel gets something that I always found interesting, and it goes back to what we were talking about, Dan, about um, movies about musicians, where you see that moment of them creating. And I remember there was a segment, probably the first season of Maisel, where you see her working on the same joke, and it's just these smash cuts of her set after set after mm. set after set after set after set, and it's the same joke, but just one word is different or a phrasing is different. See, that's fascinating. And, to me, I, th- I exactly. I thought that's the best part, and it wasn't the funniest joke, but I just love seeing the artistry and the craft behind yeah, right. it. Because just talking to people who I know who are comedians, like you, Jason, or other people, and they talk about they'll work on a joke for a year. It's the it's the word choice you, is so specific, and if you use one extra, if you use the word to or and or that, you know. Anything interstitial that's just throws it off balance. Yes, it's yeah. Yeah, that's what's great about the movie Comedian. That is what is great about Seinfeld's, Seinfeld's movie works. Comedian. That's how he works. And that's what's great about that whole series that I was talking to you guys about, the comedians and cars getting coffee, how they yeah. work, why something is funny, why it's not. It's so fucking hard to get comfortable. It just comes and goes. They're just like, just glimpses, little moments where I feel really like myself and I feel comfortable. And then the rest of it, I'm like in my father's suit with these huge sleeves. On HBO, there was a show called uh, Crashing with Pete yes. Holmes. Oh, good. yes! Yeah, it's which good. is very, I very good. I that show. Yeah. yeah. And again, it goes all, all sorts of places. It's not just about the the life of, you know, the work of being a stand-up comic, but but a good bit of it is. And that's very interesting. And then, no, it's uh, a good show. And then certainly, you know, there was an element of that to to Louie, but um yes but that was more it was more like his, his life it was more his life and then the stand up bits yeah. a, a la Seinfeld where there's like the yeah. section where he's on stage and then life outside of being a working comedian but the Pete Holmes one it's kind of it's like good. that struggle is really just part of his day to day like how yeah. uh, the hustle of it the you know uh, m- making choices in the moment about what kind of material to do all that stuff and i think that's great but uh two things um one uh lenny with uh, dustin oh, hoffman as lenny bruce been a, a sure. forever since i've seen it but I don't know. I can't recall if they show him working on 
his act or not, or if it's I just more remember. sort of his personal struggles and political. You know, and I have to mention, uh, you'd speak uh, Lenny Bruce. I have to mention uh, my friend Luke Kirby, who I just did um, Judgment oh, Day Luke with. Kirby from Commando? No, Luke Kirby <laughs> from Marvelous oh. Mrs. Maisel, who plays oh, uh, Lenny, Lenny Bruce, is who, also from yes. Slings and Arrows. Brilliant yes. actor, wonderful guy. We did uh, Judgment Day together last year at Park Avenue Armory, and he is fantastic as Lenny Bruce. I think as Lenny Bruce is is astounding. He's it's really, he's, he's really so good. Great. Right. Tom Hanks and Michael Keaton were both very much like the go-to very guys for a lot so, of, yeah. you know, Ron Howard stuff and all this sorts of kind things. Of and this kind of material. I was thinking about Keaton and in Keaton this as well. Keaton was a stand-up. Keaton would have been yeah. the perfect person in this role because he was a, an actual stand-up comedian who also is an actor who can do all the same things that Hanks can do. Now, Tom Hanks went and he did do some sets in 1987 as part of his research for this, but he had never done you know, stand up in a club. Oh, he never a was an actual stand up. No, he okay. wasn't. No. Well, he go. was a Shakespearean actor. He did a lot of theater and stuff. Right. But he, so he, he, you know, he sells it, you know. Mazes and Monsters, remember? Oh, I love I Mazes I love and that. Monsters. So good. Oh, What's your favorite What's, Hanks performance and favorite Sally Field? Oh, God. Let's hmm. see. Tom Hanks. Um, uh, <sighs> League of Their Own. I love him. In. He's great He's in so that. He's so good in that. You're um, right. You're right. He's great in Captain Phillips. Captain Phillips is where I went, Fred. Fuck, he's, he's so good. fucking crazy Fuck, just, good. In I that. haven't just that seen last that scene. Oh, oh, Jason, really you'll love it. it. You'll love Holy Captain shit. Phillips. That's an, that's an edge of your seat movie. And his yeah. last scene, oh Ooh. my God. Um, I love him in Bachelor Party. That thing you do. <laughs> I love Bachelor Party so oh, he's much. Great. I mean, back, <laughs> Bachelor Party is like, you know, the Michael so, Keaton night shift. You yeah, know, that's absolutely. Like the first, Just irreverent um, and crazy and cuckoo. Yeah. And he's fucking great in Forrest Gump. He is very good in that. That he movie is, is a it. great movie when he and comes back in and sees little little Maca- not macaulay little um little six sense boy Haley joel osmond Haley joel osmond, osmond yeah. and says it's the most beautiful thing i've ever seen but is is he smart is he like me you know that's that oh, how can you not breaking. have your your heart ripped out in that moment. He's a national treasure, Tom Hanks. No, he's really, he's a, he's so fucking good. Jason. You keep waiting. I do love Big. I do think he's wonderful Big, in Big. of course. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm. Philadelphia. Philadelphia was not. Turner and really, Hooch? didn't really do it for me. I preferred him in Forrest Gump. And I remember thinking, I've always yep. had a chip on my shoulder that he won the Oscar for Philadelphia. And then won it again for Forrest Gump. It's like if they could have just held out and done the right thing and given it to (laughs) Anthony Hopkins for Remains of the Day in 93, then he could have had his Oscar in 94 for Forrest Gump. So I, uh, Philadelphia, I'm sure he's wonderful. I've only seen that movie once and I've I've always, you know, had uh, had an issue with it. But I'm trying to think there are things more recently that I've loved him. You know, the the movie Catch Me If You Can. Catch Me If You uh, Can is good. He's great Mm -hmm. in that. But you know what he's great in that I love? The Lady Killers, I love. uh, Oh, never seen it. It's not a great movie. But I love that he plays a really broad character. Like, he plays a real character in it. I think he's very, which he doesn't, you know what I mean? Like, it's a, he he doesn't do a lot of comedy lately. So it's a comic role, but it's also a real character part, uh, the Alec Guinness role that he plays in that remake. And uh, so I remember liking him in that because of that. What else were you going to say, Dan? Uh, No, I was just going to throw in, uh, it just came into my brain, Charlie Wilson's War. Oh, I like that. What a great movie. That Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh, Oh, yeah, he's terrific. I like that movie a lot. How about Sally? I like A Places in the Heart. You can't tell me any different. I like 
places in the heart. Yeah. I like her in that. She is she is strong and forthright and wonderful in that. I'm trying to think. What is my favorite Sally Field? You got your Norma Ray. Happy Norma Ray. You got your soap dish. Oh, she was very you good got, in soap. Oh, yeah. She's really, really good in say, soap Nothing's dish. like, nothing's. You've got your, uh, you've got your flying nun and your Gidget. Let's not forget those. I like her in best the in the outtakes from Smokey and the Bandit when she's just trying to <laughs> yeah. hold on for dear life. <laughs> or Burt Reynolds, <laughs> you know. I guess we'll go back to doing what I do best. I guess we'll go back to doing what I do best. Show off. When we get started. When do we get started? That's my line. When do we get started? That's my line. You oh. say whenever, whenever you like. Whenever you like. That's <laughs> all right. Keep it rolling. Okay. This is good stuff. Yeah, I like this. Um, no, I don't uh, know her. With she's the, a her funny with the one. Shoes that's... off and her feet up on the dashboard. There's nothing better than that. That's the, that's. There's nothing. Oh, better I really. Than that. You know what I really liked her in was Lincoln. Yeah, she was very good wonderful. In that. Yeah. Wonderful. In that. She's never been. She's always a very. She's a very dependable actress. I always enjoy her, but she's never been. Yeah, it's one she's of never my been favorites. Top of your list? No, no, not for me either. Oh, wow. I she love really Sally. She's wonderful. I love Sally. You um, gotta but, see this movie. Um, you gotta see this movie. Oh, there it is. Oh. Hello, my name is Doris. See that? No. See that? You're not gonna. No, see I'm it. kidding. I'm, I'm just teasing. <laughs> I'm teasing. Uh, what, tell me about it. I don't know. I've never uh, heard of that. Wait, why do I know that? Why do I know she's this movie? This, she's a lonely woman. I'm gonna give it too much away, but she's a lonely um, woman, and it's a and it's a it's a really lovely, quirky, weird performance. And you'll see Fairly a different recent, right? Yeah, oh yeah, 2015. Yeah. you'll see. Yes, a different I saw side bits and pieces of, of it, and it looked yeah. really interesting. No, no, you'll 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 uh, you'll enjoy it. You'll enjoy it. Oh, uh, Steel Magnolias, of course. Oh, not without my daughter. Wolf. Not without my do- <laughs> um, uh, You know what I've never seen and I would like to see is Absence of Malice. That's her and Paul Newman. And yeah, Paul that's Newman, a good one. That's right. Oh, that's so a, a good long one. time ago. That's a good long one. That's a, that, that, would, that was the old CBS Brent Musburger coming up. Coming up, after the, coming up after the game, the CBS Sunday night movie, Absence of Malice. <laughs> and it was always on after Dallas. There would be Dallas and Absence of Malice. <laughs> Uh, not followed by Alice with Vic Tabak <laughs> and Polly Holiday. Um, Alice Dallas and Absence of Malice. <laughs> and followed by Charlie Callis. And, <laughs> and tonight on tonight on, <laughs> tonight on the late show, Charlie Callis. Oh, how many awesome. how many Sheilas for this thing? Three. Yeah, I'll give it I'll give it a three because they were. Tom, they they were trying hard. They really were. They were. I John Goodman was good. John Goodman. I loved John Good. We didn't talk about him at all. I loved him. And he had a very difficult part very to difficult play. Role. And he did yep. a yeah. great job of it. And he gives me the only uplift in the movie. I'm like, I like him. I like his journey to accept it's simple. It's oversimplified that he would mm. that that the switch flips for him that you know, the, the way it does um, it is, into but acceptance. But that's like a night, like he seems like a decent person who kind of does the right thing in the end and supports her and then mm-hmm. is happy and proud of his wife. And I, I, you know, I, I liked his character and his performance uh, probably yeah. more than anybody else's in a movie about stand-up comedy. The person who does not play a stand-up comic and, yeah. and knows nothing about stand-up comedy is the most interesting <laughs> uh, person in the movie. That's a great sign. Um, I'm, I think I'm going to, you know, I had actually written down like four for this, but okay. 
I don't know why I would give it even that much. Maybe John Goodman gives lifts it up above the three. I mean, they, I'll tell you this much. This, this is a movie. None does I it saw it. Does that bring it up to four? I saw it. Hey, that was horrible. Uh, God. I saw it opening night when it came out in the 80s. Obviously, I watched it again this week for, for this episode. But I stumbled upon it last summer. It was on cable somewhere. And I was I was, uh, I was was up at Hudson Valley doing uh, doing my, my Cyrano at Hudson Valley. And there was one night that I was just there at the hotel. And, and I put on TV. And Punchline was on. And I was like, oh, I should give this another try. And I, I'll tell you, every time. Now, that was just a year ago. And then again, this week, I put it on again. And I was like. Um, yeah, I'm giving it another try. We'll see. I always hope always springs eternal that I'm going that it's going to work and be better <laughs> and be funnier or or not funny, but like say something to me, speak to me in a way that's like, oh, it's not about being funny. But it just yeah. it's just misses the marker. It's a little too ham fisted on 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 every level. So it always disappoints me. So it's d- disappointed me three times. And for that, it gets three Sheilas, and that's it. <laughs> I'm not. I'm, t- I'm not going. I'm, I'm pulling back from before. Three Sheilas. Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, there we go. Lunch. Yeah, I'm excited to see Lunchline. I really am. <laughs> you know, when that, whenever that comes out, and that'll help us feel better about Punchline. Uh, next time around, we are actually taking a, a brief cesura here at opening mm-hmm. weekend. We're going to take a little break, a little bit of a breather next week so we can come back in uh, two weeks with a jam-packed Halloween episode for you guys. Uh, and we are going to go to the granddaddy of Halloween movies, John Carpenter's original Halloween from October 25th. 1978 we're going to talk about that movie and we are going to do a deep dive into our favorite scary horror halloweeny movies we can kind of you know we can zig and zag and uh it can include I was say this should be fun because on many episodes we've all sort of professed that none of us like watching well i'm scary uh, movies so yeah that, well there's some mm. that i love and there's some there's there's some scary movies i love some thrillers some kind of gross out things that you wouldn't think that I would like in there. But as a, as a rule, it's not really my cup of tea. And I think that's true for you too, Fred. So I think there's a place for comedy, horror, thriller, everything. Uh, So we'll have some fun with that. And, uh, and that'll be uh, coming up in, you know, closer to two weeks from now on opening weekend. Dan. Can't wait. Do you have anything to take us out? I have to Give a tr- I have to try to do two hearts can be oh, this no. one, which no one will know. And I'm not even 100% sure I know. But it goes something like this. You know two it. It's in your heart. To beat as one. Indestructible. Yeah, it goes something like that, right? Indestructible. Okay, let's see if I can do it. In honor of Alien Nation, right? So let's see. Unless there's something you can think of that's better. You know, but uh, I, I can't think of anything that's better than that. That's what I'm saying. Not from this we week. Go. I mean, you know, yeah, you say uh, uh, Coco, uh, you know, they are testing poisons on me. I mean, you could do something. <laughs> so, uh, is there any gorilla music you can? <laughs> oh, we could do Abba Dabba Honeymoon. No, try to. Well, yes, you did it. Yes. And it was great. But I mean, I would never say no. But, um, uh, 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 but you know, we, uh, we shouldn't, little, you know, we shouldn't uh, stop you from 
A little George of the Jungle? <gasps> no. Ooh, Ooh, that's good too. He's not real. It's more of Diane of the Jungle. Um, now let's give a tr- let's give a try to uh, what was two, the one I was going to do? Oh, two, two hearts. hearts. Let's, let's we'll give it we'll give it a shot here. And in the meantime, we'll think if there's another thing. All right, here we go. Like that. That was that great. Was good. That was very good. Pretty good. Oh my god! Good. I want to go out and dance with the aliens now. Yeah. <laughs> um, are there any other? Oh, what about <laughs> what? What about Jungle Love? Oh, we oh we oh. No, that's Tarzan Boy. Oh, that's Tarzan Boy. Oh, that's Tarzan no, Boy. No, Jungle Love, Morris Day. <laughs> that's Tarzan Boy, but Jungle Love is. That's all I remember. Oh, we go, we go. That's good. See, this is the scene that we were missing in Punchline of the manualist <laughs> working out his art, trying to figure it out. That's you right. Know? That's right. One you... hand fart at a time. Oh my God! But how glorious is it going to be next episode? You know, you're gonna you're gonna do that that Halloween theme, that John Carpenter oh, Halloween theme. You got to work on it right now. You, not right now. Don't give it away. But I mean, you got to go as soon as we stop recording. You got to spend the next week and a half working on that shit. I definitely, definitely. Will. I can just, I can imagine it. I can get so exciting. Oh, it's gonna be creepy and scary. Oh, really creepy. We might even have to open the episode with that. Yes, <laughs> that's brilliant. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Oh, I've got a chill. I've got a chill going up my spine. Oh, Ooh, thinking about be- Sally Field stand up. <laughs> <laughs> the cold hand of death. Oh, <laughs> oh see you soon, everybody. The opening weekend podcast is produced by Jason O'Connell, Fred Berman, and Dan Matisa, with editing by Jason O'Connell and sound mixing by Fred Berman. Additional help and technical support provided by Ethan Duff. Thank you for listening. Thank you.